Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. We're continuing our, our jaunt on through Moses' um, farewell address. Uh, Rabbi Schatz, in all seriousness, I'm not, I'm not quite sure like what, what else we need there in terms of, of context. We get the second paragraph of the Shema. Great. Um, uh, which comes right after our verse. Um, it's the end of the Parsha. It, yeah, I think, I mean, that's a very general, uh, a very general summary of what's going on. I don't know. Our verse kind of stands alone. It's not necessarily like part of a, a larger story, but yeah, whatever you want to share. All right. Let's just hop right into it then. Um, okay. So we're picking up in chapter eight. Um, and not, not all that different, like I'm saying thematically in terms of where we've been and Moses giving instruction to the people in terms of like what, what they should or should not be doing. Um, right. Uh, start chapter eight, faithfully observe all the instruction that I command you today that you may thrive and increase and be able to possess the land that God promised uh, to your fathers. Pretty, pretty standard Dvarim stuff from what we've been seeing. Um, I actually, this, these um, next verses are interesting, a li- like a little bit different. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has made you travel. I saw an interesting drash on um, this phrase at the beginning, Vizacharta et kol haderech, that you should remember the whole way that you have traveled, which I thought I like was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that might that might wind up in my high holiday sermon, a uh, little preview there. Which you're uh, giving on Erev Rosh Hashanah, so everyone should be there. Which I'm giving on Erev Rosh Hashanah, and no one will listen to. Um, except for Rabbi Schatz, because she's professionally obligated to be there. Um, right? Oh, no, she's not going to be there either, judging by that response. Um, I will listen to you even if I'm not there in person. Thank you, Renee. See, Renee, Rabbi Schatz, why can't you support me like Renee does? Um, I will be there. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Remember the long way that God has made you travel. So some interesting theology here that God was like testing you to learn what was in your heart and whether you would keep the mitzvot. Not, not my personal favorite, but interesting nonetheless. Um, and here is a verse that, that y'all might recognize a bit. You were hungry and gave you manna to eat, which neither you nor your father should ever known in order to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but that man may live on anything that the Lord decrees. I always think this is interesting when we come across it in the uh, cycle of Parshiot, because um, that phrase, man does not live on bread alone, um, at least in terms of how I hear it deployed in a contemporary setting, is that like, as people, we, we need more than just bread, right? It's, it's not enough to only have bread, but here it's actually exactly um, the opposite, right? That you can live on whatever, um, you, can, you can live on less than bread if it is right, sort of provided to you as, as enough uh, from God, which is interesting. Um, and then a few more psukim, um, just sort of like God, God took care of us as we were wandering through the desert, therefore keep the commandments, God's bringing you to a good land, and so on and so forth. Uh, pretty standard Deuteronomy stuff until we get to verse 10. Um, 
ve'achalta ve'savata uverachta et Adonai lehecha al ha'aretz hatova asher natan lach. So sometimes in this class we talk about how we're going to bring you something that you you don't know so well or that you haven't really seen before. Um, some of you, many of you, have seen this before, even if you didn't know it was a pasuk in the Torah. Uh, it might sound a little familiar, Rabbi Shafter, like this. It might sound a little more familiar, like Kakatu v'yachalta v'savata v'rachta et Adonai Elohecha ala aretz etavashen atan lach ala aretz v'al hamazon. That it is. How did I do, Rabbi Shafter? Good. Right. You want to keep going? Mm, no, that's good. Um, that is uh, cited um, as part of Birkat Hamazon. And we can talk a little bit more about why this verse goes there in a bit. Um, when, and I, I do not like this translation at all, as is often the case, because in the English it says, when you have eaten your fill, give thanks to the Lord your God. But it's, it's three different verbs there. Right. The, the translation conflates the first two verbs as one verb. I would translate it as when you have eaten and you are satisfied, right, that it's two different verbs. Um, you should bless Adonai, your God, um, upon the good land that uh, that he has given to you. Rabbi Schatz, do you remember that I wanted to do the verse after this, too? Or did we no? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I remember you telling me that you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, you know, hey, we're back on the same page. We remember what verses we're doing. We are doing so good. Oh, yeah. um, and then um, the next verse, I, I, I imagine we will spend most of our time on verse 10, but I found verse 11 to be an interesting counterpoint because it says, Take care lest you forget Adonai, your God. Uh, lest you fail to keep God's commandments, statutes, and rules, uh, that I command you today. Um, it's just interesting to me to see um, these two concepts sort of right up against each other, that on the one hand, you should, um, you should offer these blessings to God for everything that he's given you. But if you don't, um, there will be there will be problems. So I just thought it was interesting to see those two concepts right back to back. I'm going to cheat a little bit um, and go down. Um, where was it? There, there's there's um, a lot more. Uh, I won't go all the way down, but there's just more in the parsha about how mm-hmm. you basically shouldn't get to you shouldn't get to a place where you look around at everything that you have and think this is something that I made for myself. Right, that you should remember the the ultimate source of where things really come from, and I think that that that's also a pretty rich topic to work with. But enough from me. Over to Rabbi Schatz. All right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, any kushiot on either? Verse? And look, Rabbi Schatz, you taught me. Now I know how to zoom. Look, I, I remember. I remembered how to do it. Good job. Teach a man to fish. Um, you want me to go fishing? So- for, okay, uh, so verse 10 or 11, any kushiot? Let me see if I can see you a little bit better. Hold on. Okay, there we go. Uh, Elon. So in verse 10, the translation to me is, is more logical, but it's inaccurate. So, and, and what do I mean by that? It would, it's logical to me that you would give thanks to the Lord for the good land, right? It's just the polite thing to do. 
But in actuality, it says uh, you shall bless the Lord. So the the question for me is, I understand that why God would want our thanks. It's polite. It's nice, you know. But why would God want our blessing? What could what could our blessing possibly mean to God? Beautiful. That was actually, I was just telling Raj Shapiro that the commentary that I found that was most interesting to me was actually on that question. So I won't speak more to that, um, but Rabbeinu Bachia will, and we'll get to it uh, in a little while. Great question. Joanna. There seems to me to be like, we're so used to this verse that maybe we don't think of it, but there's like sort of two huge questions to me. Why visavata? Because if you haven't been satisfied, if you're poor and you don't have enough to eat, do you then offer thanks and say a blessing? Uh, And the other is um, the fact that like we've eaten and the blessing is about the land. And I get that we can make that connection that the food came from the land, but like it's, unusual to me that it doesn't say, you know, specifically to say and say thanks for the food that you just ate. You're thanking for the land, not the food. And you're thanking for the land that God gave us. So when we no longer live in the land of Israel, and, you know, especially in the whole, you know, movement now to eat local, is the land that God gave us all the land in the world, or is it specifically a reference to Israel so that if you eat a tomato grown in your backyard in North America, does this apply? Great. So um, there were some comments, I don't know, maybe Rav Shapiro uh, added some of them that he'll share, but there were some commentaries on how this has to do with specific types of food and, and also kind of brought me to think about the idea of Shemitah, right? That, that that is so, so subject to the land, right? And not just, as you're saying, kind of like local produce and, and caring for our local, our local farming and, uh, and agriculture, but rather specifically the land. The other question about Vesavata um, is one that I remember hearing a lot, uh, specifically when when Camp Ramah started to become more vegetarian and vegan friendly, um, because as many of you probably know, this particular part of Birkata Mazon is really only said traditionally if you eat bread, not just if you eat a really great meal that can satiate you without bread, which we all know in especially modern time, there are many meals that we eat (laughs) most of our days that have no bread and therefore no hamotzi and therefore traditionally no birkat hamazom. And so you wouldn't even say this. So what does it mean to be satiated? What does it mean uh, for us to find satiation in our food and not just a specific food or a specific amount of food, but to really find that um, satisfaction in anything we're choosing to put into our bodies. Um, Alan and then Renee. All right, let me unmute. You're unmuted. Okay. Um, first, in response to what you just said, yeah. this bracha is also included when you have misonot, the same that achalta right. varachta, it's also yeah. included so that notion of satisfaction would still take place. Yes, true. true. Okay. Second the full point, bear kind of zone wouldn't, but, but you're right that this line would, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is something that I, I've never realized in, in looking at this, 
in terms of grammar, it says, it's all you, male. But yeah. at the very end, it says, you in the female. Why the switch? What does it mean? Yeah. I, I wish that there was a more beautiful answer than the one I'm about to give you. <laughs> um, but it's, I, I think, and maybe Rabbi Shapiro will, uh, will correct me, but based on a conversation you and I had earlier this week about uh, Zioni Zevet, I, my guess would be that Ve'achalta Ve'tzavata Uverachta is specific to a person in a group of people, and therefore you always go, at least the Torah always goes male, because that's the generic as opposed to female, which is not seen as generic. And then Natan Lach is, is referring to the the nation is referring to um and that is feminine so i, I wish it was a better answer because it's a more beautiful question than the answer uh than the answer is but but it is a very interesting play on um play on gender and one of the pieces that i brought that's actually only in hebrew so i'll hopefully do a good job of translating it for you um has to do with whether this is a mitzvah for women so it's interesting that you're bringing that up that's that's not why they come up with the question, but it's an interesting um, an interesting piece to notice that those two genders are are offered here. Hmm. Uh, Renee, you're you're muted. Great. Okay. So my first question is, it says uh, when you've eaten your fill, I guess I'm assuming I was assuming that they meant the man, and so I was. Um, questioning whether what why we would have to why why we thank God for the good land if we're eating the man and that's not from the land but it's from the from Hashem one mm. maybe I'm wrong about that and also it bothers me that in the second one that it says take care lest you forget your Lord like Hashem really doesn't have any faith in us that we're going to keep to remember him and all this he's done all this amazing stuff for us and so we're just i mean we're not that dense we're just gonna say oh you know forget it you know Renee, we, have you read the torah come on <laughs> we i think that i think that god is just a realist um and that the people that maybe not forget god but definitely i mean similar to kids right that when your parents do something really nice for you the next time you want something nice you're not recalling back to that time that they did something nice for you you just want the nice thing right then so i think what what the what the nation is sorry what god is trying to say to the nation is that I did all these really wonderful things for you. And every time something happens, you should remember that I did all these really wonderful things for you. You shouldn't forget and just want the next best thing. And, but what, and why the emphasis on, but why put both names in? Why not just say, take care that you don't forget Hashem? Why do we have to have I don't know, capital letters and Hashem? Yeah. I don't know. Elohechem is more so just like, just bringing in uh, like the full name rather than just not a nickname, but like rather than just one of the names, like rather than saying ma'am, you say like Mrs. So-and-so, right? Or instead of saying rabbi, you say Rabbi Shapiro. It, it's it's bringing in the whole the whole name rather than just, or if you're like me and someone like Rabbi Shapiro has a first name that's shorter, you might say their full name um, to, to really get them to, to pay attention, um, which I, of but, course I never have to do because he's always paying attention. But I will, I will go back to 
the eat your fill piece, they are specifically talking about food. It is interesting that uh, to connect this back to eating the mana in the desert, um, because it it was, if I'm remembering correctly, one of the aspects of the mana that we were eating was that you would you had enough to be able to eat your fill. So I think this is specifically talking about food that you would be able to um to eat that all that you need the reason that Rabbi Shapiro mentioned that this isn't such a great um translation is because it's also connecting Be'achalta and Savata together which are two separate things so it says when you have eaten your fill really what it means is and you have eaten and you have been satiated so it's two separate things um but a, a very interesting connection I don't hear a clicking sound sorry but it sounds like others are too so I hear a clicking sound. Maybe it's you, Rabbi Schatz. Oh, it just stopped. Did you did you stop doing something? I heard it yesterday too during Migrisha. Yeah, I did too. Then it must be my computer. Sorry about that. Um, I hear a kushio. It would not be surprising if it was my computer because my computer hasn't worked really at all. So it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, thoughts, questions, comments. Just want to point out that Susan's doing a great job of wearing her mask, even in her office. <laughs> Denise. <laughs> um, um, regarding the two names of uh, for God, I think it's also a bit like an honorific, right? Like, so if we say Her Majesty, we know who we're talking about. And if you say the Queen, you know who we're talking about. But yet there's a sense of respect when she's referred to as Her Majesty the Queen. Oh, you're referring back to the God piece that I was yes. talking to Renee about. Got it, got it, got it. I was like, where, how does that fit in with the food? Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Uh, Denise, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I thought I was on me, sir. Um, so how come these are like in the singular rather than like, why isn't it the Achal Tim, the Savat Tim, Tim, et cetera? Like, why is it individual? He's talking to the group. He's not talking to one person. I was preparing you didn't mean because of this clicking sound. Um, I assume. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, oh, do you have a good I'm response? Just, I'm just scrolling. It, it just looks like this section is written in this. I mean, I think we can drosh it out. It looks like th- the bulk of this section, right, in this chapter is addressed in the singular rather in the plural, right? I think we, we can talk about why specifically this verse is, is singular and so on and so forth. I, I was just scrolling up to see if it's unique to this verse as a part of this section or not, and it looks like this this chunk ode varim is addressed to individual Israelites. I think that also has to do with the fact that that all of this is being told to the people, but but one of the most beautiful drasha that I've ever heard of receiving Torah is that every person heard it and received it and practiced it, you know, throughout, through their own vessel, right? Through their own mind and heart and soul. Um, so it's possible that it's, that though it's being told to multiples, that it's, that it's very, you're supposed to be hearing it as one specific unit. So it's directional to you as one person, even though you're in a group of many. Um, similar, I mean, it's a tactic that some of us also use when we give drashot, right? We, we say you, even though there's hundreds of people in front of us, because we want you to hear it, you specifically to hear it, uh, and and not have to not have to imagine it as being part of a, a larger whole. Okay, Joanna, and then we'll go on. The- 
The other thing that I think about the singular you in Devarim is I always have like this funny question when I read you in Devarim, who the you is in reference to. Is Moses speaking only to the people standing in front of him? Or I often think that, you know, Moses is anticipating that, like, this is it for him. He's not making it into the land. And he's speaking to the you, all the you's yet to come up until our very own generation, right? Like, I read that, you know, and it feels like it's saying it not to the generation in Egypt, but like to me reading the Torah today. And I think there's a very clever thing that goes on with the use in Deuteronomy that makes it like that, that it's as much as it is a speech to the people who were there, it's a speech to us today also. Right. I think, I think for sure that's true. I think that it also has a lot to do with the fact that 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 we that Deuteronomy specifically is supposed to be kind of like its own canon for us to then um, grab hold of, right? Like reclaim for our own for our own purposes, um, and yeah, individually as opposed to needing to be everybody in front of God while this is being said or Moses while this is being said. Um, sorry, I was distracted for a second because. Uh, our our tech guru came in to see if he could hear the clicking sound. So if I didn't hear all of that and Ravish Shabir wants to say something, I'm happy to have him um, chime in. Okay, Alan, I lied. Last thing and then we'll move on. Oh, you're muted. <laughs> I was like, why isn't Alan speaking? <laughs> Unmute. Okay. It's the, the whole line about the signet, about the individual is the classic line from Rashi about revelation at Sinai when, when they says by exactly. instead yeah. of the plural, Ishachad, Kalevachad, they were all one united. And yeah. it's a, it's a, it's the, it's connected where you say, yes, they're all united, but they all hear it in their own way. The blind could hear the, 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 if you were hard of hearing, you could hear. If you were blind, you would be able to see. But you would all interpret it and hear it in your own way is the best right. knowledge and capability. So it's that's one of my favorite Russia with Russia. Same here. It's one of my. It's also one of my favorite to use in terms of education. Right. That not only should that be the way that we speak, but it also should be the way that we teach. We should expect that everybody in our classroom or everybody in front of us is going to take things in differently based on their experience and based on their own skills and abilities. And we should then teach to that as opposed to just, just the one way that might work for us or for the, for the majority of the students. Um, okay. Rabbi Shabir, I'll let you start it off. Why don't you, are you up for starting with the Bachia piece? Because you, oh. you reference that, like, you just referenced that very specifically in response to Elon's question. I don't have any piece necessarily that directly responds to Akusha, someone asked. So Yeah, it's just very long. But yes, I, I can. Um, okay. All right. So I won't read the whole thing. Um, but so this, the, the general takeaway from this is that similar to what Elon brought up, it is proving to us that this is actually the first time in the Torah and the only time in the Torah, not Tanakh, but Torah, um, where we are asked to bless God as opposed to God blessing us, um, or as opposed to we just having some kind of 
praise for God. This is the first time that God is actually telling us to bless God. And so this is not even the whole Rabbeinu Bacha, even though it looks very long. I chopped it down. Um, but this says, the verse contains a clue to the whole mystical dimension of the concept that man blesses the Lord. Man being humans, blessing God. The whole idea of the creature blessing the creator instead of vice versa is somewhat strange. We do not find any other place in the whole Torah except here where God commands us to bless God's name. This is the verse which prompted David to say in Psalms 145, and I will bless your name. He also said, Hodu lo barhu shemo, give thanks to God and bless God's name. In a different Psalm, Psalm 100. We find many similar quotes in the book of Psalms. According to the plain meaning of this legislation, we must appreciate that we are not dealing with the needs of God, but with the needs of a person. Seeing that God is the source of all blessings and all the blessings devolve on God's creatures from heaven, it is clearly an impossibility for any of God's creatures to bless God adequately. Seeing that God is the original being in this universe, having invented all the others, there is really no existence worthy of the name. God's existence is so self-sufficient that it has no need of anyone or anything beside God. Therefore, I promise I'm going to finish in a second. (laughs) Therefore, even if we were to bless God all day long and all night long, what would we accomplish by this? How would we thereby enhance God's existence, either qualitatively or quantitatively? Okay. And then it goes on to give more examples as to why and how. Um, But Elon, I would love to hear your kind of thoughts on this piece before I share what mine were. Can I just make sure I understand this? So so just it's saying that the blessing isn't for God. Blessing God isn't for God. Blessing God is for us. Is that an accurate one sentence summary of what he's suggesting? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's basically saying that it's that it that no right. The, the last sentence, right, even if we were to do it all day long or all night long, what would we accomplish? Right? There's no way for us to also adequately do this. And therefore, we do it all the time because there's not going to be one one uh, prayer or one it, one moment in time that we're going to be able to do this adequately. Well, but but I don't th- I, it's from at least from this piece. um he's not suggesting an answer. He's just saying, why? I mean, I don't, I'm not sure that he's saying it it makes no sense that we would do this. Where does it then go on to say, well, actually we're doing this for our own, for our own benefit. Yeah. I mean, I think if you keep reading on, like here's one line where it says like, you know, seeing that God is provider, then we should be the ones to bless. Um, I'm happy to send you this whole, as you can see, it's, two and a half pages long. So I'm happy to send you the whole thing. Um, but you know, the, the, that we should then in blessing God, that we are able to see that, which that, which God has done for us. And so similar to what it's, what it's getting at in terms of food, right. That God has provided the land. God has provided the ability for us to then eat and be satiated. And therefore we are blessing God as opposed to blessing the food directly because God is the one who created us, created the food that we are, that we are gaining sustenance from. And therefore we need to appreciate the fact that God as creator, we are, um, we are told to bless. So then, but then they're doing the same thing that the translation that we read is doing, which is they're conflating blessing and thanking. And I'm not sure 
that mm. that's I don't I don't that may that may be the intention. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious if somebody had uh, if if there was um, a source that gave a different explanation for that, right? Um, yeah, interesting. Ooh, this segue. definitely this definitely is doing that. What segue? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> is that okay. a useful is that a useful transition? If I just yell out segue, is that good? Anything you do is always useful. That is great. Go ahead. Um, I I just stumbled upon a way of reading this that is definitely not the shot way of reading it that I think actually takes it in a completely different direction. Okay. Um, a commentator called the Nerlam Or, the Yain the Kedush Lahavdalah, the Nerlam Or, who I I don't know who he is or she is, maybe she definitely not a she, but very nice of you. Okay, continue. And what? They maybe they maybe all right non-gender specific. Keep going. Um, that what he did was he actually separated out the two verbs, and he says you should bless when you have either eaten or been satisfied. That that he sets them up as so he says lo It's not just in a time when you're hungry and you push aside the hunger. In a time when you are satisfied and things are good for you. That, that there's sort of an implied and or in between um, eating and being satisfied, which is definitely not the pshat. And the bulk of rabbinic commentary that I saw on this, at least, is trying to tease apart what a number of people were asking about, like, what does it mean to be satisfied when you eat? How do you know? Is that only when, right? And Rabbi Shatz was saying this in terms of the specific time when this verse is cited. So this is not the pshat read, but Ilan, in terms of your question about, is there another way of reading it? I think it's, I, I, I like the idea because I like the idea that you can offer a blessing in a time when things are good for you, right? And that it's not just in response to a time when you have eaten, that we can offer up blessings and gratitude uh, when when but, but you keep going back. That, but that's that's the that's where I struggle, right? Because it's, it's and gratitude. We are using blessing as a synonym, and I'm not sure. And maybe that is the intention. Maybe blessing and gratitude are in fact one and the same. Uh, it's it's something that I've always thought about. Not only in this context, but there are other contexts where we where we as a people are asked to bless God, and it's it, it uh, I'm. It's it's confusing to me, and if the answer is actually uh, that the, in, in usage, the, the barachta means the same thing as, uh, as no dead lad and I right. So if right, that's right. a synonym, then maybe yeah. that's fine. I'm, I, I'd be curious to see if there's a there's a different. You're saying in terms of the specific word livarach, right? Just I just added more from this Rabbeinu Bachia piece, Elon, in the in the chat. Read that and see if you if that if that is doing a little bit more for you um, in terms of the not gratitude, but why it says Uvarakta while I take Karen's question and then I'll come back. Yeah, Karen. I was reading Beitshuva sends I'm on their list. So I uh, was looking at Parsha explained or whatever. And so this has to do with blessing before or after. One each. And After. So it made a lot of sense to me because it's much easier to say, I'll bless you for what I'm about to have, which I don't have. And I've been in need of 
better, or I don't know better, but we should also think about what we have given after we've been given it and still be thankful for it. Do you know what I mean? It was really meaningful. Can you say, can you say, can you say that one more time? <laughs> when we're needy, yeah. we don't have a home, we don't have a this, we da 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 um, and we bless God for what we are about to receive. That's one thing when we're in need. We're very thankful, and gratitude is right there. But after we're full, okay, we need to still be grateful. And that's almost harder than when you're in need yeah. to remember to be grateful after. Yeah, when I was in elementary school, I'll never forget in elementary school and they were teaching us because we used to do beer cut on zone after lunch every single day. And one of the, like the headmaster said to us, gave us that exact Torah said to us, you might be ready to come in from recess and you did Hamotzi before you ate your lunch. And now you're ready to start with math or whatever, you know, we would do beer cut zone in whatever class came after lunch. And he said, but it's important for you to stop and recognize that the energy that you have based on eating that lunch, you now need to be, you now need to bless for that. Not just the fact that you are able to eat, but that your, that your food is, uh, is able to also give you that sustenance, right? Is able to, to, to give you that energy, to give you that life force moving forward. So I, I when love. I, when I light candles, it's by myself, my moment with. And I thank him for all that he has given. I mean, it's a unique experience to do that once a week. But anyway, um, consistently. But I thank him, her, they, uh, for all they have given me, my friends, my family, blah, 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 blah. And it, that's it. Can I just pop? I, I, Joanne, I see your hand. I'll just offer up also... You know, the whole translation is always interpretation, right? So we have certain connotations with um, what what blessing means in English. Um, Elon, this might this might compound compound the problem. I mean, I've I've been using it interchangeably with gratitude in this context because it's after, right? So acknowledging gratitude for, but obviously it can it can be a few different things, and and I also like that sort of pause. You know, it's. It, it's easy to ask for something, but like after you've had it, like it, it takes a little bit more impulse control to actually pause and say, Oh, that was great. Thank you. Um, but offering up as well, the idea of Berach is also like knees, right? Like beer, beer, beer right? So that there is um, like it's blessing, but it's acknowledging and kneeling, which then feeding back into it, what Rabbi Schatz was saying, how interesting it is that this is, unusual on the tour that we're blessing God and that God off, often blesses us. I think that maybe complicates those contexts, but for me, layering in that linguistic piece is helpful here that there is like, I've eaten and I'm satisfied. And now I'm taking a moment to sort of bless, kneel, reflect, gratitude, if I recognize what I've been given, right? To, to me, that makes, that makes intuitive sense, I think. What what the um, what the additional piece that Rabbi Schatz posted said is that blessing is actually really more so that that thanks is thank you for that blessing is almost like okay you know what thank you for that but I'm going to bless you because I want more of that right so it's it, it's kind of a, a gratitude plus a request 
Um, because it says rather as a formula they're picking something additional, natural increase, uh, that that we want, that we're grateful for what happened. But you know what? Hey, the achatan savata was pretty good. Where do we get more of that? Maybe if we bless you, uh, th- that will come to us. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if uh, I mean at least it's an explanation. I'm not sure if it's if it's particularly satisfying. Yeah, I know. I no pun intended. I agree. I mean, I, yes. that's, why I didn't, that's why I didn't bring it before because I also don't think that it's super satisfying. But I wanted you to see that there there is some commentary at least on on not just imagining that uve rachta is is somehow just gratification, if you can say just. But um, but yeah, I, I I would be interested to see if there's more. I didn't see any more, but I'll have to. Now I'm intrigued to see if there is. <laughs> okay, Joanna. So. There's a line already earlier um, from the davening when we, as we started our discussion, that popped into my head that even now at this point is all the more relevant. And I almost wonder if this line is, in fact, a commentary on what we're studying in Deuteronomy. So on Shabbat morning before Yishtabach, in the Uvmakalot paragraph, there's um, a line, Shekem Chovat Kola Yitzurim Lefanecha, that it's obligatory for all of God's creatures to do a whole bunch of things that seem fairly synonymous, right? Like there's a whole list of them. Lehodot, lehalel, leshabeach, lefa'er, leromen, lehader, levarech. So, and now it's fascinating to me. I mean, they're all various words for praising God, but the literal translation of the first one is to thank And the last one in the line is to bless. And I feel like almost like it's an ascending order of like even better praise, even greater praise for God. So it's interesting, this parsing out that we're doing, that blessing is thanks plus. Because in Uvmakalot, we start with thanks for God and 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 we end with, we're working up this ladder, ending with blessing God. Anything on that, Rajpira? I chatted to you because you kept me muted. So I, I was, you that. Oh, oh, I was, I was looking back at the Barach to see if I found anything else on that. Cause now I'm, I'm noodling that as well. Um, but Bonnie's also had her hand up for a little while. So Bonnie. So I don't know if I can express this, but let's, um, it's about vocabulary and we know that we have a lot of blessings that we say, and we know that God also blesses us. And we also use the term that so-and-so or something has been a blessing in our lives. And what is it we mean by that? Uh, a recognition of the support and the love and the understanding um, that that person or thing has done for us and the recognition of all of that. And perhaps that's what we need to do for God. It's it's a recognition of yeah. all that has happened, all of that God has provided and done for us. Not 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 exactly just a thanks, but the total picture of of understanding and recognition. Yeah, I, that's that's a beautiful way of also connecting back to I think what Joanna was getting at, which is all of these different terms that that are kind of synonymous, but also mean very different things, like. Lehodot, lehalel, leshabeach, right? All of those words are different ways that that we can have that relationship with God or with people, right? There are different ways in which we show gratitude or show blessing or recall blessing and gratitude for certain people based on 
experiences. They're not all gratitude. Maybe they are that we learn something from them. They're not all praise. Maybe they are actually constructive criticism that brought us closer to the part. You know, you could use any examples you want, but but all of that comes under this very beautiful umbrella that you're that you're sharing in terms of just the semantics of our own language of having someone be a blessing, right? And even earlier on in Genesis, where it says be blessing, like, what does that mean? How do, how do we be blessing? And we have all these different ways of, of providing, providing people with ways into our lives and, and obviously vice versa, that we would feel that blessing, that we would feel that gratitude, that we would feel that praise, that we would feel that connection. Um, Rabbi Shabir, you have shared only one piece of do you want other other pieces of text that you wanted to share i can I, you're i you're you're running point i'm okay following your lead do you have more yeah but do you want i've spoken a lot so i'm just wondering if you would like to speak <laughs> you have such a melodious voice rabbi shots okay <laughs> um I'll, I'll name out just a generally sort of like fun, fun, fun facts about this verse, quick, like text box, fun facts about this verse. Um, this verse is where we, we actually derive, technically derive the, the commandment um, to recite Birkat Hamazon, which is just like, that's, that's always kind of interesting. Like for, for those who uh, don't know, um, there, there are actually two different types of like commandments in Judaism. There's the um, Oraita and the Rabbanan, like a, a Torah commandment and a rabbinic commandment, even though all of our tradition is filtered through the lens of the rabbis. But according to this categorization, like it's a Oraita commandment to uh, recite Birkat Hamazon. And this is like the verse. This is a, like, this is where you get this idea. So just interesting to spotlight that when it comes up. There were a couple of questions that were asked um, about, um, Joanna, I think you were talking about like, is, is this some, is this food from all, from all places or just for Israel, right? Like you were asking about that a little bit. I saw a couple of comments. I saw it in Ramban. I saw it in a couple of different places saying that it, it is actually for everywhere, which is counterintuitive based on the verse Right. You, you would think that it's possible to read that verse as saying it's actually Israel only because the land that was given to us, um, geopolitical considerations off the table for the moment. Uh, right. It's interesting to think about how that is then applied to actually food that is grown anywhere. Right. And, and, and it said clearly in a couple of places that the understanding is food grown anywhere, not just food from Israel. So I thought, I thought that that was interesting. Um, and when I see a hand, I'll just, I'll just offer up one more piece um, and sort of like the fun fact category. I also saw that um, as, as, as we're playing with this idea of what blessing is, I, I also saw, and I think this gets later codified, but I saw it first in the Talmud, this idea that um, actually first in the Mishnah that, Birkat Hamazon can be recited in any language, and this verse is like the anchor for it, um, that the word um, uverachta is interpreted to mean in any language that you offer blessing, so too Birkat Hamazon can be, can be recited in any language at all, 
Rabbi Schatz is pointing in the air, and I don't know. Uh, what I also, is. I also saw that. That was the image of my eye. Which, which is just interesting. You know, I mean, we we've been we've been talking with and around and kind of like dancing with this idea of like what what does blessing what does blessing mean and what's the context for that. But I'll just like layer in the sort of somewhat adjacent idea that it's not linguistically specific. What's the other part of our liturgy that we're allowed to say in any language? Um, re- whatever Rabbi Schatz wants. Nah, my sixth graders know this. <laughs> oh, I need to go back to school. The Shema, the Shema is the is another piece of our liturgy that you are allowed to say in any language because not only should you should you know to say it multiple times a day, but you should know what what it is that you are saying. So the Mishnah and then later the Shulchan Aruch talks about how if you know Hebrew and you know what those six words mean in Hebrew, then you should say it in Hebrew. That's kind of the, that that is the goal. But if you don't know Hebrew, you should say it in the language that you are most comfortable understanding and, and speaking. And now you all can pass my sixth grade Mishnah class. Okay, Alan. Probably couldn't still. All right. Um, two comments. First, Joanna, thank you for your beautiful insight. I really like that. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, second, you were talking about Birkat Amazon and uh, the Oraita and the Rabbanan based on the Torah and based on the rabbis. And you're right. You know, this is the basis and it's three words, and the rabbis devise that there should be three brachot. And yet, when we do Birkat HaMazon, there are actually four blessings. But the fourth blessing was added on later on. It wasn't part of the original Birkat HaMazon. How do we know this? When we do Uvenei Yerushalayim, it ends with the word Amen. Normally we say Amen, and we're just affirming what's gone on. For what that, and we're required to say it. And I always wonder why is it that we say amen to a blessing we're saying? And the answer is that that amen was designated to put in the fact that that is the end of the Birkatamazon de Oraita, and everything else that follows is de Rabbanan and wasn't initially included. So that was just a fun fact I wanted to share, Rabbi Shapiro, since you were bringing up fun facts. That is a fun fact. Lots of fun facts. We have so many Birkat Hamazon fun facts. Rabbi Schatz, maybe we should rename this the Parsha Fun Facts podcast. Maybe. Okay. Um, uh, I have, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> it looked like you had something you wanted to say. I had a, I had a, I had a groovy one-two punch, but but if you had a something, I can I can. Right. Oh, mm, you're off and running. <laughs> Oh, we're sharing our screens. Okay. 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 I, I, mine's not a one-two punch, but mine is, um, in Hebrew. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of share it a little bit and then we can, um, go back. So this actually goes back to the, the bracha piece. Um, and this is, which clearly, clearly Elon and I were on the same page of not really understanding what, why that word is being used um, and in the context that it's used in. So it says, Chesed Gadol Asa Hashem Imanu. 
שגילה לנו שטול לפניו שנברך ונודה לשמו שנאמר ואכלת וצבעת וברכה את השם אלוהיך. So it's a really great thing that God has done for us, that, that, that God has revealed to us that it's good for us to come before God and to do this blessing and to thank God. Interesting here that nevarech and nodeh, right? Like those two words, one means gratitude, one means to bless, are being used um, separately here, that it would be good for us to bless and good for us to show gratitude to God's name for it says, as we read before, and you will eat and you will be satiated and you will bless the Lord your God. So I'm not going to translate that whole thing, but the but the but the basic gist of this sentence is that God has given us a gift, a really big gift, the biggest gift of all, to be able to have the possibility, the Esharut, the possibility to bless God, to praise God and to bless before him, right? To praise God and to bless before him. This is such an awesome uh, merit, an awesome zchut. And this is a great, um, an awesome merit that we can say to God a blessing to know that we have a, an, uh, a journey in the eyes of God, meaning we have a connection in the eyes of God. We have this relationship that will continue with God. So all of our lives will now have meaning because of this kind of connection. Again, I'm not going to translate that word for word, but basically it's saying that all that we people, as opposed to all the other uh, beings who have been given life, have this merit to have this connection, to have to find a connection, to find a relationship to the master of the universe, to God, and to say before God a blessing, to literally come before God and to be able to bless. And that that then adds to our lives this incredible awe. Shefa is, um, it's a good word for Shefa. Uh, abundance. Ab- okay, abundance or or awe or exempt. Yeah, okay, great. Um, for our lives forever. So I just thought this is this comes from Pinene Halacha, which is a work of of Halacha of Jewish law, um, and it's just interesting to see that the way that they are they are using bracha here, it's something that that we should see as relational. That it's not just oh you should praise God because of the food you ate, but rather you should see this as a merit for your life that you are able to have that connection with God. You're able to stand in front of God and actually find that connection, find that moment of relationship that no other people, no other beings get to have with their creator. So it doesn't necessarily help with the, with the praise piece, but it does, I think, bring in that relational aspect to it's not just about putting that food in your mouth and being able to save your kind of mazon at the end, but that we should see it as a real bracha, as a real gift that we are able to find that connection and that relationship with our creator. 
Rabbi Shapiro, one, two, punch. Ready. I don't think we have time for it. That's okay. Um, we, have, we have four minutes. Go ahead. Four, mi- four minutes for a one, two. It's not that. It's not that. Fun. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of still hanging with, I feel like blessing is one of those words that we use so much without talking about what it really means. And so I'm just still kind of sitting with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, the the piece I was going to share doesn't really go 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 in a helpful direction on that, but that's that's where my head is currently at. So, um, it goes it goes into like the the satis like what is, what does it mean to be satisfied, and that there are just like very very different even within the same like rabbinic layer of time, very different understandings of what it means um, to be savea and and. In one direction, it's really only when you eat, and another direction is talking about how Bnei Yisrael, like even if they're not feeling satisfied by a ton of food, still go out of their way to make sure that they offer a brachot, and how praiseworthy that is. Um, so clearly, there's you know when whenever you're work and both those sources are in the Talmud. So whenever you're looking at contemporaneous pieces that are going in different directions, it shows that you're kind of like onto something in terms of thinking about it very very differently, and what does it actually mean to be satisfied. Um, which I think is, is an interesting question, just but just a bit far far afield from what we've been uh, collectively exploring today. So, yeah, Karen. When we bless our children, <clears throat> what does that mean? I think it's a gratitude thing. When we bless our children, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it's similar to what you were sharing actually with the candle lighting, right? I think it's an opportunity for you to stand before your creations, right, and stand before those who you love and share something with them that you hope they're able to both live up to, but also become. And, um, and yeah, I think it is gratitude. I mean, I, I, is that, I, is I, that what it is for you when you bless, bless your children? Or have I shot? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I did just see your child outside and I was very happy to see him. Um, I'll, I'll, I mean, for I, me, it's, it's a little bit difficult. Sorry. 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 I was just going to say that I don't think that parents are always like have always had a great day with their kids, but they still bless them. Right. So I think that the gratitude piece is um, is definitely there. But I think there is also more to it. Going back to Joanna's really beautiful comment. I think, you know, there there's more to it and more um, facets to it than just that gratitude piece. But I, as Rabbi Shira just pointed out, I don't have kids, so I I don't do it regularly. I get blessed regularly, but I don't I don't give the blessing regularly. Yeah, I mean, I was for me when I do it, I I really do. I I tr- I try to channel some version of what is being said in those lines to my kids. It's actually not. I mean, I I have gratitude for my kids, but. Um, I, I, I won't say what is who actually, I haven't even said this to Sarah. I won't say what is, which goes with who, but there's one line out of the priestly blessing that when I'm saying the same blessing to each of my kids, that I most channel one of those lines to each of my kids, um, based on my understanding of who they are and what I think they most need in this world. That is relatively consistent. We'll see if that changes over time. Um, but for me, it's actually trying to be, basically a vessel for the words that I'm saying to them, right? That when I want protection and grace and goodness and um, 
all of that stuff to be manifested in their lives that my hope is that by taking that those, you know, 45 seconds on Shabbat, that by having that moment with them, I'm somehow bringing that more into their lives than it otherwise would be. Does it work like that? I don't know. But that's what I'm trying for and hoping for because I, I care about them and I want them to be safe and protected and happy and whole. So that's what I'm attempting to do in that moment. I'll let you guys know how it turns out. We'll see. Before we call on these other three people, which we'll have to do quickly, but um, I will also say that one of the Midrashim that I came across that I oh, didn't Oh, Paula, bring, that's so nice. Yeah, literally just interrupted me. I did, but the, I just saw Paula's thing and it's so nice. Paula typed, I say the traditional words and then add a particular description of why they were so amazing this past week. Paula, that's awesome. I'm I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to do that tonight. That's awesome. So one of the midrashim that come up, I also responded to Paula. I just typed it because you, you were speaking, so I didn't interrupt you. I just typed it in the you chat. You have interrupted um, me. I interrupt you all the time. Yeah. Um, so one of the midrashim that came up for me that I didn't bring because I actually didn't expect us to go in this direction of the priestly blessing connects specifically to the way that the priestly blessing is used. So if I can go back and find which midrash that was, Karen, I'll send it to you because there is, there is definitely a connection there um, uh, that, that you're picking up on and that the rabbis clearly picked up on. Okay, will very quickly. Will you send it to me too? Yes, I can. Okay, very quickly, Joanna, Alan, Elon. I meant to lower my hand. It's my comment in the chat that um, oh. we're called Yehudim, that we're meant to be a thankful people. Yeah, yeah, great. Alan. It is indeed a channeling, and it is just like the Birkat Kohanim. That's exactly right, because it's not like they're praying for us. We're still praying in the, the Birkat Kohanim. It's, it is... It is our way of connecting with God and saying and invoking and seeking God. It's not just for thanks, but protect. As we do the as we as we do the protect protect us, watch over yeah. us, yeah. cause your fa- cause God's face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. It is more than thanks. It is what we aspire to to be able to be connected with God. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and I think that if we can all direct that in all the ways that we bless, whether it's our children or our food, I think we'll be we'll all be in really good shape. Elon. Yeah, the reason uh, uh, the to me the if somebody blesses somebody else, whether it's the priest blessing the Israelites, whether it's God blessing the people of Israel. 95% of the time, there's a power dynamic there. And the stronger um, being party is typically the party that is doing the blessing. And, yeah. and, and that's true in, 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 in most places. And it still strikes me as, and the reason for that is because there's, there, there, the, the the weaker party values the blessing of the more powerful one because they think that the blessing will actually make their lives better in a, in a way. I'm not. I'm, I'm still struggling to understand why God would care about our blessing, right? And and yeah. um, I do. I really liked 
uh, Joanna's explanation of kind of the ladder of blessing ending with uh, the ladder of gratitude ending with blessing. But it still I, it still doesn't explain to me why that being needs that. Right. Is it, you know, uh, in all the other cases, whether when I bless my children, I don't know. I think they need it. I think there's something there when we get the priestly blessing in synagogue. I get something out of it. I'm not quite sure what the receiver of the blessing gets in this particular uh, circumstance. The last thing I'll say, I mean, I know we got to wrap up. The thing that just came to mind to me, Elon, as you're talking, is that God does need our blessing, right? Like God, we see there are rabbinic teachings that talk about how God is only king because we crown God. That, that there is something about what we need to do in relationship to God for that, like, cycle to be complete. That That there's, of course, what we get, what we get, what we get. But they're right. Like if, if we're not in, in the traditional rabbinic conception, like God needs to have a people to follow the, why did God give Torah? God's, God's fine. <laughs> God, God's fine without us. Right. Uh, you could say, why does God need us at all? Well, God actually wants relationship. God wants a people. God wants there to be some type of relational something that's happening in the world and that it shouldn't just be one-sided. So the, the teaching that came to mind to me just now is that rabbinic teaching that they're actually, God isn't king unless we crown God, right? And you can talk about the, the image and the this and the that, but but to me, I think that that's a parallel construct here, that, that there is some, even if 99.9 of the time in the Torah, it's God offering blessing to us, that at least that 0.1% of the time, it sort of needs to get pointed back in the other direction to, to close that relational loop. But that's, that's just the thing that popped in, into my head as we close. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to TBA. LA.org.